Okay, welcome. My name is Divine. I am a fourth year medical student. This is the 26th episode of the Divine Intervention Podcasts. This review is actually super high yield, but kind of unusual because I'm just going to go over signs in radiology that are very high yield to know for the USMLEs, both step one, two, and three. Um, I would highly encourage you to go through this multiple times. It's just something you have to sort of look at, stare at, uh, maybe make flashcards off, and you should be good to go. And I would like to thank uh, Radiopedia for the many images I was able to pull off of uh, uh, that website. And again, big thing I will say is just go through this multiple times. This is not certainly all you need to know, but these are very, very important to know. So I'll just go through these relatively quickly. So this first slide, right? So you can see a bamboo spine, okay? Uh, this classically is one of the seronegative spondyloarthropathies, right? So this is ankylosing spondylitis. Remember, it's HLA-B27 positive, and it has that association with sacroiliitis. Okay, next one. So you can see this apple core lesion. Uh, so 55-year-old male with heme-positive stools, hemoglobin of 6.9, right? If you ever see iron deficiency anemia in a patient that is greater than 50, right? Your next step in management is to get a colonoscopy because you're worried about colon cancer, okay? Classically, it shows up as an apple core lesion on exams, okay? And just real quick, is there a particular bug you could see in a person's blood that will lead you to get a colonoscopy? Good, right? So that's strep bovis, strep bovis, Okay. Now, next slide. Uh, presents with dysphagia to solids and liquids, right? So you can see the classic bird's beak sign, okay? So this is achalasia, okay? Remember, you get this from impaired relaxation of the esophagus, the distal esophagus. Uh, don't forget that trypanosoma crozii can also cause this presentation. It's a secondary cause of achalasia. Uh, remember that T. crozii causes big everything, right? It can cause achalasia, big esophagus. It can cause a big heart, dilated cardiomyopathy, and it could also cause a big GI tract, right? It can cause, uh, cause a Hirschsprung's uh, disease disease okay next one so this child was born with hypocalcemic seizures right so you can see this boot-shaped heart okay that's the tetralogy of fellow uh, don't forget your four findings right so like your pulmonic stenosis right ventricular hypertrophy um, overriding aorta and a VSD okay has a very strong association with uh, with uh, uh, the catch-22 syndrome right so uh, the George syndrome okay um, uh, remember they get the hypocalcemia because their parathyroid glands do not develop and they get t-cell problems right because their thymus doesn't develop right so classically you may not also see a thy uh, thymic shadow on newborn chest x-ray in uh, this uh, patient population but if you see boot shaped heart think about tetralogy of fellow and also, don't forget that the George syndrome also has an association uh, with uh, tricuspid, uh, sorry, with uh, truncus arteriosus. Now, next one. Uh, this child had a white reflex at birth, right? So you can see the sunburst pattern. Okay, that's an osteosarcoma, okay? Uh, the white reflex at birth, I'm trying to get you to think of a retinoblastoma, okay? RB gene mutations increase your risk of retinoblastomas and osteosarcomas, okay? Don't forget your sunburst pattern, okay? There is also the Codman sign. If you take a look at the next slide, uh, you can see like the triangular elevation of the periosteum. Okay, so let's go to the next one. Agar scores were 9 and 10 at 1 and 5 minutes, respectively. Uh, you can see this sail. You can see that big thin in the anterior mediastinum, okay, in this newborn, okay? Uh, that's the thymic shadow, okay? Every now and then, you get exam questions that want you to identify that. 
So just sort of keep that in mind. Uh, remember, the thymic shadow will be absent in kids with SCID, right? Severe combined immunodeficiency uh, from an adenosine deaminase deficiency or uh, interleukin-2 receptor defect like the gamma chain. Okay, uh, you could also observe a similar finding in the George syndrome because again, the thymus does not develop. Okay, so that's the thymic cell sign. Okay, next one, right? So you can see the stipple sign. Uh, so if they give you a question about the kid that has a uh, uh, wheezing, right? Young kid, if they show you this extra, you see the stipple sign. Some people call it the wine bottle sign. Uh, that's pretty classic for croup. Okay, remember it's a subglottic stenosis. Classically, it's caused by the parainfluenza virus. Uh, it's a subglottic stenosis. Contrast that with epiglottitis that is more of a supraglottic stenosis. Okay, next one, right? So you can see the thumbprint sign. Okay, this child is drooling, has a temperature of 104, wheezing, right? So that's your thumbprint sign. Classically, that's epiglottitis. Uh, back in the day, it used to be caused by H flu type B, right? But now we vaccinate against those things. Again, it's a very high yield to notice. It's a superglottic obstruction, okay? And in general, on exams, your next step in management is not to perturb the child, okay? Call your friendly anesthesiologist or ENT doc to help you out go ahead and intubate uh, this kid because they can have a respiratory failure very quickly. Okay, good. Next one, right? So this patient has a B12 deficiency, right? So you can see this string sign, okay, in the in the, uh, the in the GI tract, okay? Um, the string sign is pretty classic for uh, like stenosis of the bowel wall. Uh, it's something you'll find in Crohn's disease. Remember, Crohn's tends to torch the terminal ileum. Okay, remember, uh, the terminal ileum is where B12 and intrinsic factor are reabsorbed. Okay, so string sign Crohn's disease, uh, you're not reabsorbing B12, so you have a B12 deficiency, right? So you can have like a megaloblastic anemia, or you can have uh, like a subacute combined degeneration of the cord, where the corticospinal tracts and the dorsal columns are destroyed. Uh, also, with a B12 deficiency, a person could potentially have uh, methylmalonic uh, acidemia, right? Because methylmalonic coimutase uses B12 as a cofactor. Okay, good. Next one. So red currant jelly stools in a child, right? So you see this target sign, right? So red currant jelly stools, they will describe a kid that like curls up in a ball and then feels fine for a few minutes, curls up in a ball. Uh, hopefully you're thinking of intussusception. Okay, remember, uh, Meckel's diverticulum can actually serve as a lead point, okay? So again, this is the target sign, intussusception. Uh, I'll talk about another GI pathology that also has this relationship, but the target sign looks a little different, okay? But this is intussusception. Um again think more of your current jelly stools in a young kid um, and in general for these kids you want to go ahead and avoid the rotavirus vaccine uh, it's one of those weird high yield things they love to test on exams and while we're on the topic of current jelly if you see current jelly sputum in an alcoholic what's the bug you're thinking of i hope you're thinking about klebsiella pneumoniae okay klebsiella pneumoniae good next one um so 200 pack year smoking history right so you can see this coin lesion okay uh that's pretty classic for um uh pretty classic for uh for lung cancer i mean it could be many things but it could also be a primary lung malignancy uh i'll need to insert a slide here about pyloric stenosis i missed that for some reason okay but that'll be slide 11. uh the 200 pack year smoking history is a coin lesion that's lung cancer okay now, let's jump to the next one, right? So you can see this stomach. The wall looks very thick, okay? That's a letter bottle stomach. Hopefully, you're thinking of linitis plastica, okay? That's a pretty classic for diffuse type uh, gastric cancer. Usually has no association with uh, H. pylori, okay? But it has a strong association with uh, 
uh, e-cadherin mutations. And if they give you a histology question, right, you'll see your signet ring cells on histology. Okay, good. Next one. So this patient has a history of CHF, right? And you notice this person's heart looks like a water bottle. Uh, it's pretty classic for a pericardial effusion. Okay, so this is the water bottle sign. Okay, um, remember it can cause cardiac tamponade, right? And don't forget your Bextrad with that, right? So like muffled heart sounds, uh, they go test that by showing you an EKG <clears throat> where you see electrical alternance or you see a low voltage EKG. Okay, so muffled heart sounds, hypotension and JVD, that's Bextrad of cardiac tamponade. It could arise from a pericardial effusion, a massive pericardial effusion. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, let's do the next one. Now, severe abdominal pain and constipation, right? And you can see this coffee bean sign, okay? That's pretty classic for a sigmoid volvulus. It's just one of those things you definitely want to be able to recognize for exams. This is all over many MBME exams. Okay, next one. Uh, we have a 12-year-old with a two-month history of fevers and leg pain. Okay, so... You can see this onion skinning pattern, okay? Pretty classic for Ewing sarcoma. Don't forget your 1122 translocation. Uh, don't confuse that with the 922 translocation of CML. This is 1122. Um, you make the EWS FLI fusion protein. Uh, this is Ewing sarcoma. Uh, you classically, you can treat this on exams with dactinomycin. Remember, it's that uh, chemotherapeutic drug that treats a lot of childhood cancers. Okay, next one. This child has a history of trisomy 21, right? So Down syndrome and bilious vomiting, right? So you can see this double bubble sign, okay? That's pretty classic for uh, for duodenal atresia, okay? Remember, it has an association of trisomy 21. Uh, don't forget your other high yield trisomy 21 findings, right? So they can have a, a primum ASD, okay? Because they get endocardial cushion defects. They can get atlantoaxial instability. So for those kids, you classically want to get like a lateral neck x-ray before you approve them for sports. Uh, they get early Alzheimer's, okay, because remember that pre-cellular gene where you have multiple copies because you have three copies of chromosome 21. Uh, these kids also tend to have uh, Hirschsprung's disease, okay, uh, neurocrest cell migration defect, okay. So just those many things you definitely want to keep in mind with, uh, with uh, Down syndrome, okay. And remember, they have bilious vomiting because the stenosis is distal to the sphincter of OD. Okay, next question. Uh, so this is slide 17. Uh, sir, slide 18, right? So nasty headache in a patient with a history of ADPKD, okay? You can see this picture of a berry, okay? That's a berry aneurysm. Uh, remember, patients with autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or Marfan's, they have a very high risk of aneurysms in the circle of Willis. And remember, the most common locations, uh, your anterior communicating artery and your posterior communicating artery. But the anterior communicating artery is probably the most common location. Okay. Now, the next question, uh, you see a bunch of grapes, so severe hyperemesis gravidarum. Uh, hopefully, you're thinking of a hydatidiform mole, okay? So, this is like the bunch of grapes sign, okay? Uh, remember, hydatidiform moles, they secrete a ton of HCG, and HCG can actually precipitate, uh, basically, it's the rise in HCG in the first trimester that triggers, like, the vomiting that many pregnant women have. So, if you're, hyper if you're secreting even more than normal amounts, of uh, beta HCG, you can see how uh, you, it can present as a hyperemesis of gravidarum. And in fact, on the next slide, you see the snowstorm appearance. Again, this is pretty classic for, uh, I guess in this case, you'll go more with, uh, with uh, 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 molar pregnancy or something. But this could also be an imaging finding in a, in a hydratidiform mole. Okay, next one. So you can see these uh, 
batwing opacities in this patient that has a history of CHF. This is pretty classic for, for pulmonary edema. Okay, there's fluid in the lungs. Okay, next one, severe headache over the past six months, right? So you can see this butterfly-shaped lesion. You can see a lot of like central necrosis and surrounding edema. Uh, this is pretty classic for uh, for for a glioma, okay, a butterfly glioma, okay. Uh, classically on exams, this is a glioblastoma multiforme. Remember, it's a type 4 astrocytoma. Classically, crosses the corpus callosum. And usually on exams, they'll say, oh, central necrosis with a ton of uh, edema. Uh, you really want to think about GBM with that. Very nasty prognosis. Uh, remember the tumor marker, okay. It's a gliofibrillary acidic protein, okay, GFAP. Okay, next one. This patient also has a history of primary sclerosing cholangitis. Okay, so you can see this colon that looks like a lead pipe. Okay, so lead pipe colon. Uh, so hopefully you're thinking about ulcerative colitis, right? So there's a loss of uh, hostral mark uh, markings uh, with this uh, image. Okay, next one. Mom took lithium when she was pregnant for bipolar disorder. So you can see this heart is shaped like a box. Okay, uh, this is the box shaped heart sign. Okay, it's pretty classic for Epstein's anomaly. Okay, uh, remember in Epstein's anomaly has an association with uh, maternal lithium use during pregnancy. Okay, you basically have an apical displacement of the tricuspid valve, and the buzzword you're looking for in the exams is uh, atrialization of the right ventricle. Okay, next one. So you can see this person has chest pain relieved with nitroglycerin. Uh, this person doesn't have an MI or Prince Metals angina. You can see the cockscrew shape of the esophagus. Okay, it's pretty classic for diffuse esophageal spasm. Okay, you can treat that with a with a nitrate or a calcium channel blocker. Okay, uh, remember these people present with uh, dysphagia to both uh, solids and liquids, but it's intermittent. Okay, next one newborn with cyanosis okay you can see this heart uh it's like an egg on a string so i hope you're thinking about transposition of the great vessels uh, remember these patients classically have a single s2 heart sound on auscultation because you're just hearing the aorta okay so they have a like a failed spin of the aortico pulmonary septum okay so they get a transposition with that so egg on a string sign transposition of the great vessels now, 65-year-old male with a six-month history of exercise intolerance, okay? So you can see this honeycombing of the lung on uh, CT. Uh, so this is pretty classic for idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Remember, it presents with a restrictive pattern of lung disease. So the FEV1 to AVC ratio will be normal or slightly increased, okay? And the DLCO will be decreased, okay? Very high yield to know that for exams. Next one, three-month-old with bilious vomiting, right? So you can see this whirlpool sign okay so this is a uh, malrotation with uh, midgut volvulus in fact if you see bilious vomiting in a young kid uh like first uh like few days or weeks of life uh think of duodenal atresia but usually they'll tell you something about down syndrome in that question but another thing you really want to take to the top of your differential in fact it'll probably be the highest on your differential is malrotation with a midgut volvulus okay so the whirlpool the whirlpool sign okay good so the next one is a uh, patient has a history of Turner syndrome and let let me give you some added details let's assume they have elevated blood pressures in the arms and almost you can't detect any pulses in the legs right so this is coarctation of the order remember the association of the three sign because you are basically like notching the ribs okay because you're establishing all these collateral blood vessels around the coarctation okay so this is a three sign aortic coarctation 
Next one, newborn with cyanosis, right? So you can see this lesion that looks like a snowman, okay? It's the snowman sign. It's pretty classic for total anomalous pulmonary venous return, okay? So in this case, the pulmonary veins, they drain into the right atrium through the ASVC instead of draining to the left atrium, okay? And remember your terrible T's, okay? Those are your cyanotic congenital heart defects, right? So snowman sign, uh, TAPVR, right? So total anomalous, anomalous pulmonary venous return. Okay, next one, signet ring sign, right? So this is long, okay? This patient has a history of CF, okay? So this is classically bronchiectasis, okay? So remember, signet ring sign on imaging uh, in the lung. Think about bronchiectasis, okay? And it could happen in patients with cystic fibrosis or in like a primary ciliary dyskinesia, like catagenous syndrome, okay? Okay, now let's jump to the next one. Elevated PTH, low calcium and low phosphate, and you can see this rosary, right? So this is the rachidic rosary on imaging. It's pretty classic for rickets. Okay, remember, that's a vitamin D deficiency. Okay, and remember, the they will basically have a secondary hyperparathyroidism, right? Because uh, if you have a vitamin D deficiency, you're not reabsorbing calcium and phosphate in the gut. So your calcium goes down, so your pH will go up to try to compensate for that. Okay, now, next one. Uh, you can see this pencil in cup deformity. Uh, it's a seronegative spondyloarthropathy. Hopefully, you're thinking about psoriatic arthritis. Remember, it's one of those things that are positive for HLA B27. Okay, next one. Now, you can see a ladder, right? So, I didn't even put any caption here. So, you basically have like a laddering of the person's uh, uh, GI tract. It's pretty classic for a small bowel obstruction, although it could also show up in a large bowel obstruction, okay? But this is the classic step ladder sign uh, that you see in a small bowel obstruction. Now, this is an IC, the next question, right? So, ICU patient placed on a vent, right? So, you can see basically white out long. It's pretty classic for ARDS, okay? Acute respiratory distress syndrome. Uh, remember, this is a kind of non-cardiogenic pulmonary edema. So, the pulmonary capillary wedge pressure will be less than 18, okay? Because it's not the heart that's causing this uh, pulmonary edema. Basically, you want to treat these people with, uh, with like low tidal volumes and uh, adequate PEEP, okay? Now, next one, lecithin to sphingomyelin ratio was one, right? So uh, you can see the ground glass opacification of the lungs bilaterally in this, uh, let's call this kid a preemie, okay? Uh, it's pretty classic for neonatal or respiratory distress syndrome, okay? Uh, remember, your if your lecithin to sphingomyelin ratio is greater than two to one, uh, then you're more assured that the fetal lungs have immatured. And to prophylax against this, you could try to give mom uh, like uh, steroids to try to promote uh, differentiation of the titanium So you make enough surfactant and uh, prevent this from happening. Okay, next slide, right? So newborn with severe respiratory distress at birth, right? So you can see bowel in the thoracic cavity. It's pretty classic for a congenital diaphragmatic hernia, okay? So the classic buzzword description on exams is a scaphoid abdomen. Very high yield to know that. A scaphoid abdomen It's pretty classic for for congenital diaphragmatic hernia, right? And this kid will have lung hypoplasia, right? Because the bowel has taken up space that the lungs could have expanded into. That's why the kid has respiratory distress. Okay, next one. So the nasogastric tube is curling in the upper thorax, right? So hopefully you're thinking of an iso like esophageal atresia uh, with a T fistula. Um, actually, the most common type, I believe, is the H type. Uh, remember, this has a very classic association with the, uh, uh, the vectoral syndrome, if you may. I will encourage you to make sure you know what vectoral stands for, what charge stands for. I believe I talked about that in a previous podcast. Now, 
this uh next one and i believe it's our last one yep it's our last one so this was obtained from a patient with a cd4 count less than 200 right so you can see the interstitial infiltrates right so hopefully you know that this patient has a pneumocystis drovetsi okay hiv patient um and in general right if uh, if your cd4 count is less than 200 you want to prophylax with bactrim right so trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole remember trimethoprim inhibits uh dihydrofolate reductase and then uh, sulfamethoxazole inhibits dihydrofluoric synthesis um but if a patient comes down with this in general you want to go ahead and give them iv bactrim okay uh if that's not an answer choice on an exam um you may want to think of like a pentamidine like aerosolized pentamidine uh for that treatment purpose okay and just for people that are taking step two ck or the medicine shelf uh, you really want to remember the criteria for people that have to get like steroids if they have this kind of presentation right uh remember if the a gradient is greater than 35 or the oxygen saturation is less than 92 percent or the oxygen partial pressure is like less than 70 millimeters of mercury those patients should get steroids so they don't go into hypoxic respiratory failure with a pneumocystis or gervetsi pneumonia okay so that is the end of this podcast i really hope you find this useful i think you will uh, if you spot any errors or you have any questions feel free to send me a message or make a comment below and i'll be more than happy to point you in the right direction have a wonderful new week it's monday the uh, the 7th of May, and I will see you in the next podcast. God bless. Thank you.